as well. So, you know, because of the construction, everything that's going on in the offices, so we weren't able to get together to learn face-to-face. But I figured, you know, it's chaval not to learn. So, uh, so you know, I figured I'll, I'll share some tire with you, and it'll be as if we're seeing each other face-to-face. You know, this week's parasha, we have the halachas of the Mitzorah, the Jew that speaks Lashon Hara, and because of that is stricken with the skin ailment of Tzaras. And, you know, the ramifications of being a Mitzorah, so there's all sorts of ramifications. There's the halachas that he has to be uh, in quarantine. He has to be, you know, separated from the rest of the Jewish people for a certain amount of time, and uh, other karbanas that he has to bring when the when the tzaras leaves. And one of the ramifications is that a mitzvah is tame, that a mitzvah is contaminated, and anything he touches become tame as well. Now, one of the interesting halachas of mitzvah is is that not only can his tumah spread by, through contact, through physical contact, so anything he touches or sits on or so on or leans on will become Tameh, the Allah is that even when the Mitzorah goes home, anything that's under the same roof of the Mitzorah also becomes contaminated. So when the Mitzorah, let's say, walks, you know, enters his house, all the objects, all the utensils in his home that's under the same roof as the Mitzorah will also immediately become Tameh. So there's a mission in Masech Zagayim that discusses that halacha and talks about that that's true when he walks into his own home. When he walks into his own home, so immediately the tumah spreads automatically to everything under that roof. And all the objects that, that are in his home, that are under the roof that he's standing in or that he's sitting in, become tummy as if he touched each and every article. But the mission is dealing with what about, is this true when he goes into someone else's home? You know, if I, uh, you know, if, if I don't like my neighbor and I have trust, that's a real good way of, uh, of making my neighbor crazy. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll just break into his house in the middle of the night and just my, my presence being there for, for a moment is going to make all the objects in his house contaminated. So does this halach apply only to his own home? Or does this apply to his neighbor's house as well? So the Mishnah says like this. The Tanakhama, the first opinion of the Mishnah says, Kalim miyad That this halacha, that all objects under the roof that the Mitzorah is under will become Tameh immediately. That's true for his own home. And it's true for anyone else's. The Mitzorah goes into someone else's home immediately. The second that he's, that he's standing under the same roof as other objects, all those objects become tummy. That's the opinion of the Tanakhama. Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, that, that the Balabas has a window of opportunity to make it clear that he does not want the Mitzar in his home. The Balabas, if the, if the Balabas makes it clear immediately that, you know, he yells, Mitzar, get out of here, I don't want you to contaminate my home, then the Mitzar is not going to be able to contaminate this guy's house against the Balabas's will. If the Balabas invites the Mitzar in, or when he sees the Mitzar, he doesn't immediately yell and scream, get out of here, then, then, Anachanami, then it's true the Mitzar will contaminate the home. But the Balabas has, has, uh, has uh, if he makes it clear immediately that he does not want the Mitzar in his home, then his home will not become tummy. The question that, the, that Rabbi Yudha then deals with is, okay, so what's called immediately? Like literally, uh, when he sees the Mitzorah, he has half a second to say, get out. Like, is there any, what's the window of, our, what's the buffer zone? How much seconds does he have to, for, uh, for, for him to then say, get out of here? And if he waits longer than those, than that given moment, that's called inviting the Mitzorah in. So what's that window? What's that, what's that amount of time that the Balabas has to say something? 
So Rabbi Yehuda says like this, Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, The time that we give the Balabas to respond to the Mitzorah, to say, get out of here, is the amount of time it takes to light candles. The Balabas would be allowed to, the amount of time it takes to light candles, which, I don't know, let's say five seconds, whatever the case may be. So that amount of time is what the Balabas has. And if after those five seconds, then he immediately has, you know, he has to then say, Mitzar, get out of here. If he waits those five seconds and still nothing, and still he doesn't say anything, then that's called inviting the Mitzar in. But he has that window. There's that mo- There's those few moments of the time that it takes to light candles. So that's the amount of time that the Mitzorah is sort of not contaminating the home. And then the Balabas has to say to the Mitzorah, get out of here as soon as that time is up. So it's an interesting shear. It's an interesting time zone of of Rashi and many Mepharshim explain that the candles that we're talking about are not just regular candles from the house. We're talking about Shabbos candles. Shabbos candles. So the amount of time that it would... So in other words, like in theory, if the Mitzorah walks in, the concept is, is that if the Balabas is doing something where he can't immediately respond to the Mitzorah, get out of here, so we can't use that against him. We can't hold it against him because he's, he's, he's busy right now. He can't, he can't do anything. He can't say to the Mitzorah, get out. If that time elapses... And still, he doesn't say anything. That's called that's called him allowing the mitzvah in. So, what is an what is a what is an activity that the balabas cannot interrupt? And therefore, if he's quiet and he doesn't say to the mitzvah get out, we can't hold it against him. That's called lighting shabbos candles. If the mitzvah walks in and the guy is lighting shabbos candles, and we can't hold it against the balabas for not saying immediately get out, he's busy lighting shabbos candles. So once that time though of the amount of time it takes to light shabbos candles passes, then already it's called the balabas is is allowing the mitzvah and is inviting the mitzvah in. So that's the halacha. So it's interesting. Obviously, we could feel, we could sense that this is not just simply a halachic thing. That since, theoretically, if the Mitzur were to walk in and the Balabas is lighting Shabbos candles, we wouldn't use the Balabas' silence as an indication that he's inviting the Mitzur in because the Balabas is just busy lighting Shabbos candles. So now that becomes the blanket Zman. That just, since in that situation, we would have to give the Balabas a window of like four seconds to finish what he's doing. So that becomes a standard. Now the Balabas always has four seconds no matter what. To allow the uh, to give himself the opportunity to then say to the mitzvah, "Get out." Clearly, in Pneumius, we're we're sensing over here that there's something about Shabbos candles that Shabbos candles by themselves sort of repel the tumma of tzaras and hold the tumma of tzaras in from spreading throughout the home, and that's why in halacha the shear, the zman, the balabas, even in his silence. Is is making sure that the tomb of the mitzvah does not spread is the zman that it takes to light Shabbos candles. So what is it about Shabbos candles that sort of reigns in the tomb of the mitzvah? That's 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 the question over here because that's what we're seeing in halacha. The mitzvah walks into the home, and immediately as he walks in, his tumma has the natural tendency and compulsion to spread throughout the house. But since Shabbos candles takes four seconds to light, or five seconds, whatever, this amount, whatever the amount of time is, so for those four or five seconds, his tumma is being held in. If after those four and five seconds, the now the tumma is able to mamish spread, 
then the Balabas better say, get out of here. And if the Balabas doesn't say, get out of here, then the tumult will spread. But for those few seconds that it takes to light Shabbos candles, the house is protected, the Mitzorah, his tumult is being reined in. So the question is, what is why do Shabbos candles have this kayach of holding back the tumult of the Mitzorah from spreading? So let's understand what it means exactly, the tumult of the Mitzorah spreading. There's, you know, this idea in practicality means, yeah, anything he touches, the tumma goes from the mitzvah and it spreads onto the object. He walks into the house, his tumma spreads over every object in the house. But in a more spiritual sense, what does it mean, the concept of the tumma of the mitzvah spreading? So as I mentioned, the, the mitzvah, the, the tzaras, originates from Lashon Hara. There's a very interesting Rambam at the end of Hilchas Mitzvah where he talks about the, the problem of Lashon Hara that the mitzvah has and how that Lashon Hara can spread. This is how the Ramam puts it. The Ramam says, The Ramam says that the real problem of Tzaras is not so much the Lashon Hara that he's saying right now, but it's where the Lashon Hara will eventually lead. And the Ramam here gives a whole procedure, a whole process of step one, where his problems are coming from, and where it eventually brings him to. Says the Ramam, the first problem, the first step is, is where... Yeshiva Saletzim Harashayim. That this is where it all starts from is the person just sitting amongst friends and just having meaningless, inconsequential, shallow conversations. Just talking, just talking, 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 really about nothing. Marvin Bedivri Havoy, and they just constantly talk about Mamish nothing. So when the conversations are about nothing that's real, the next problem is, and they began, they, then the conversation, the Yitzhar is already interested in conversations that are meaningless. And then the next step is, unfortunately, then they'll start talking about, they'll say, start saying Lashon Hara against Tzadikim, against uh, good Jews. And then it doesn't stop there. The next step is, God forbid they'll take it to the next level and start speaking Lashon Hara, not just against from a Yidin, against Sadiqim, but against even the Nevi'im, Nevi'im themselves, and to start questioning the words of the Nevi'im. And then he goes on, and then from there you get to the ultimate, the ultimate problem, which is, you begin to say Lashon Hara against Hashem himself, the Kofim Baker, and deny his existence. So what the Ram is telling us is a very interesting thing. When we think of Mitzor, we think of, yes, he's a guy that speaks Lashon Hara. And we usually think that means that he speaks Lashon Hara against his neighbor, against uh, his cousins, against uh, whatever, against uh, other Yidin. But says the Rambam, no, that's not really the biggest problem of the Mitzora. The Mitzora's problem is that his Lashon Hara, with enough time and without being reined in, is going to eventually spread to the point of where he's speaking Lashon Hara against the Rabbanu Shalom. And so when we talk about the tum of the Mitzorah spreading, physically it means it's spreading from him to the objects that he comes in contact with. But on a more spiritual level, in terms of the sin that Tsaras is coming from, the spreading of Tsaras means the, the Lashon Har of the Mitzorah moving from speaking about regular people to speaking about Tzadikim, to speaking about Nevi'im, to speaking against Hashem himself. And so let's now redefine what we're talking about. When we talk about the Shabbos candles holding back the spreading of the Tum of Tzaras, its ability to hold back the Tum of Tzaras is reflective of the 
Shabbos candles being able and being uh, being powerful in terms of holding back the spreading of his Lashon Hara. That instead of the Lashon Hara that the Mitzvah speaks ultimately leading and spreading all the way to speaking Lashon Hara against God, the Shabbos candles holds that back and reigns the Lashon Hara in to make sure the Lashon Hara doesn't get to that, that ultimate degree of speaking Lashon Hara against God. And because the Shabbos candles hold that back from happening, so automatically we see that in halacha that, that it also holds back the tumah, which is a result of the Lashonar, from spreading outer, you know, getting to its farthest extreme. So the question is, okay, so what does it mean that the Mitzvah is speaking Lashonar against Hashem? What does that mean? What is there to say about Hashem? So, you know, the Lashonar that the Mitzvah speaks about Hashem is the, the feeling that very often some people have, which is, that life is just terrible. That life is miserable. Life is just one obstacle in front of another obstacle. Life is just one tzara after another tzara. Life is just one long stream of things that I'm bumping into. Life is one long stream of misery of tzaras. Yeah, every once in a while there's a simcha here and something nice there, but even those simchas are filled with misery. And, you know, and, and even good moments, there's always a cloud in the sky that, you know, uh, Either it's, you know, it's too hot or it's too cold. Life is just miserable. And that's called Lashonar against Hashem. Because Hashem is the one that made this world. And to speak bad about the creation and to speak negatively about life and to say that everything is terrible, that's called, that's called speaking Lashonar against the Rabbanu Shalom. If a person speaks Lashonar against a particular, uh, you know, a person, you know, goes out to eat or something, and doesn't have the best experience, and then starts talking about everyone, you know, telling, spreading the words about how the food in this restaurant is terrible. That's called Lashonara against the chef, right? I mean, yeah, that, that it's reflective. Whatever a person makes is reflective on the on the creator. And so, if Hashem made the world, and we're and we have a negative eye, God forbid, against reality, against life itself, everything's terrible, terrible, terrible. That's called speaking Lashonara against Hashem. So it starts off with Lashonara against people. But eventually it leads to Lashonar against Hashem Yisbarach. The person's negativity becomes so encompassing that everything becomes negative to him. And he thinks he's just being pessimistic about the grass and the bushes and the weather and the traffic and this and that. But really what he's, all that negativity is really Lashonar against Hashem. And this is exactly what Shabbos candles comes to fix. The Gemara tells us in Shabbos that the reason why we light Shabbos candles is to make sure that when you're walking in your home Friday night, again, you have to appreciate in those days there was no electric lights. So their, ba- their basic source of light in the home were the Shabbos candles. Says the Gemara, without Shabbos candles, we're afraid that a person is going to be initial, a person is going to bump into their table, bump into their chairs, bump into the wall. So you put on the Shabbos candles, you'll be able to see where you're going, you won't get hurt. That's the simple Gemara. On a deeper level, we understand what that means. When a person, let's say the lights are off, and the person bumps into the table, what's his reaction? His reaction is, what is this doing here? This is just standing in my way. It's just blocking the road. It's just blocking my path, something that I hurt myself on. But all of a sudden, the lights go on, and you realize that this is not just I'm a piece of wood just, uh, you know, uh, in the middle of my dining room. This is a table. It's something that's useful. It's purposeful. It's a good thing. Happens to be I bumped into it. That's really my fault. It's not the table's fault. The table is purposeful. The table is a beautiful thing. The Shabbos candles redefine the objects that you bump into from being looked at as the enemy, being looked at as something that's in the way, to be to for, for the to to objects that are not in the way. They are the way. This is exactly what it, you need. A table it happens to be. I bumped into it. It happens. But the table is a good table. 
You understand? Shabbos candles means, therefore, in a spiritual sense, it means our ability to relook at life instead of looking life looking at life as one just miserable one 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 uh, stubbed toe after another. Instead of that, instead of life being just one you know, uh, one piece of wood and one piece of stone that I'm just bumping into. Shabbos candles means that it's not a piece of stone and it's not a piece of wood. It's a table. It's a chair. It's a countertop. It, it, these are things that I need and I want and I'm happy to have them. And so life is being reoriented by Shabbos candles to be a good place. Life is good. The world is a good place. That's what Shabbos is. The six days of the week is a world where everything is an obstacle, where everything is in your way, everything is there to injure you. That's the six days of the week. But Shabbos is a time where things are not there to injure you, things are there to help you. There's a table, these are utensils, table, chairs, couches, sofa. these are things that you want, that you need. Yes, it is true, once in a while when the lights are off, you might stub your toe on these things, but a person that stubs his toe on his dining room table is not going to say, you know what, okay, forget it, I'm done, we shouldn't have dining room tables anymore. We understand. Sometimes it happens when you have a dining room table, you bump into it by accident. But that doesn't mean that the dining room table is a bad thing, and it doesn't mean you regret purchasing one. Shabbos candles means that life is good. And that itself is reigning in the lush and horror of the Mitzorah. So Shabbos candles make sure that the negativity of the Mitzorah is being reined in, that it doesn't encompass his entire life and his entire worldview. Shabbos candles tells, tells the Mitzorah, life is good. Don't look at everything as if it's a misery and everything is miserable. Life is overwhelmingly good. That's what candles mean. And because of that, in halacha we find this as well, that when the Mitzorah walks into another person's home, his tumah is held in, it's restrained, it's not allowed to spread as long as the time of lighting Shabbos candles. Once the time of Shabbos, Shabbos candles is gone, okay, now the tumah can spread. But Shabbos candles and that kufa, that amount of time that it takes to light Shabbos candles is an automatic can rain, it automatically rains in the tumah of the Mitzorah. And so this is the, the halach lamaisa that we, that, we, that we see from all this, that it's up to us to make that decision. Are we going to look at life from the six days of the week perspective without the Shabbos candles? In which case, everything is there to, for us to stub our toes on, you know, and everything is just an obstacle. Everything is just eitzim vavonim. And when a person looks at life in that way, then it's only a matter of time until that negativity that he has towards one particular person or one particular experience is automatically going to spread and encompass the entire world that he's living in? Or is a person going to live with Shabbos candles? And the person, Shabbos candles means, yes, there are negative moments, negative experiences, situations that I'm not happy with, but it doesn't, it doesn't color my entire existence. It doesn't color the entire universe. Yes, I stub my toe on the coffee table, but I'm not going to immediately take the coffee table and throw it in the garbage it's still a good, productive coffee table. Yes, there was a moment of injury. It happens. So a person has something negative and he's upset about someone that's true. But to allow that to spread and encompass and, and, and engulf his entire life with negativity, that the Shabbos candles helps to rein that in. And that's the avoid that we have. As we come into Shabbos, Parashat Sazriya, Rishchidosh Nisan, we have to embrace the month of Geula. And Geula is not something we sit back and wait for Hashem to take care of. We have to redeem ourselves. And to redeem ourselves means to light the Shabbos candles. The sixth day of the week is Golas. Shabbos is redemption. And redemption means not necessarily always like being taken into a different environment. Very often, Geula simply means having lights turned on and realizing that what you stub your toe on 
was not something there just to sub your toe on. It was a table, it was a chair. It's something that ultimately you're happy to have and you want to have it. It's true, there are some experiences that are not so pleasant, but that doesn't mean that all of life is unpleasant. That's what Gula is about, that's what Shabbos is about, that's the Shabbos candles, and that, that reigns in the negativity of the Mitzvah to make sure that it doesn't encompass his entire worldview and his entire life. Hashem should bless us, each and every one of us, to be zochet to come into Shabbos and to have the lichtigkeit and the, and the breath and the, and the pleasantness and the menucha, the sense of clarity and serenity that comes to the world with the blessing of Shabbos. Should be zochet to that and, and all of our families together. Should be zochet to, to celebrate that menucha all together. Be as called tzedek and Eretz Yisrael. Meher v'yameinu amein.